Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. It's wake-up call 052, Seven Things We Must Master in the Year 2023, Part 2. That's right. Wake-up call 052, Seven Things We Must Master in the Year 2020, 2023, Part 2, 2024 and 2023. Hey, I'm so thankful that you're joining me here on the Faith for My Generation podcast. It's a brand new year. Happy New Year. I feel like it's been a whole year since we've been together. <laughs> dad joke number one. No, it's not dad joke number one of the year. I'm going to tell you that right now. But is dad joke, what, 73 of the new year? <laughs> I'm thankful that you're listening. Let's get back into it. As we left off, we talked about two, uh, the first two things of the seven that we are going to talk about, time and money, time and money, two things that everybody wishes they had more of. But we talked a lot about those two specific things and how God's Word instructs us to manage both of those assets very well. We're going to pick up two more things in this episode that we must master in the year 2023. We're looking at God's Word, and He's showing us how to do exactly that. We're going to read our two main texts, one from the New Testament, one from the Old Testament, so that we can get right into the third and fourth area of life that we must master. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. That's the key. Sow good seeds and continue to sow good seeds. Because God desires for us success. His success, not the world's definition of success, His his success, which is life and life abundant, John 10.10, which brings us to Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You know, I can't help but notice there, when you keep the Word of God in your mouth, in your mind, in your heart, and you act on it, then you make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Prosperous, successful living is up to you. That's right. And we, the faithful, we're going to be successful and prosperous as God desires for us to be. Now, we talked about time and money. Now, let's get into the third thing that I want you to see that we must master in the year 2023. We must master our bodies. Our bodies. We must take control of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? 
Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, self-controlling, in all things. Now they do it, these athletes, these runners, to obtain a perishable crown, but we, Christians, for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You know, Paul's talking about striving for an eternal crown, and he uses the analogy of runners running a race or a boxer training for a championship match. The runner, the boxer, they both, they wake up. When they wake up, they have a plan for their day. What will I eat? Well, I know what I'm going to eat. How will I train? I know what I'm going to train. And what is my goal? To win the race, to win the marathon, to win the sprint, to win the championship belt. This is what I'm striving for. And their goal the goal that they've set before themselves positions their actions and determines what type of lifestyle they're going to live to the point where they put their body under subjection. They want to eat the Oreos, but they would rather win the championship belt so they don't. <laughs> they would rather... They want to sleep in, but they want to win the race more. So they get up when the alarm clock goes off. Now you might think, okay, AJ, I thought this was a Christian podcast. This is way too practical. But let me tell you something, friend. Your body is your responsibility. Your body must be mastered. I wrote this, our bodies make terrible masters, but wonderful slaves. I stole that quote from Pastor Lester Sumrall of Blessed Memory. And I wrote this, We must become spiritual-minded, knowing that we are spirits, we have a soul, and we live in a body. That's right, our body, it's a house. You know, I was helping... My wife just the other day clean up around the house, and we were doing some deep cleaning. And we were moving furniture and pulling rugs and doing deep cleaning and sweeping and dusting and mopping, or not mopping, but vacuuming and picking up. That how Our house will only be maintained if we take time to maintain it. And if we just kind of live life and never care for our house, over time, our house will become run down, not just dirty, not just cluttered, but run down and broken down. And eventually, because of weather and elements and people living in it and, and you know, walking through and foot traffic and Naomi, <laughs> she's a whirlwind in herself, our house will be in disarray and, 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 and torn down. Our body's no different. Our body is no different. We've been given our body from the Lord, and our body is our responsibility. And the first thing we do concerning our body is discipline it. 
Now, we don't beat ourselves up. We don't abuse our bodies. You can actually go too far with this idea of discipline and abuse your body. I'm not advocating for abuse of your body or, or making you think, well, my body's the enemy. I'm not, no, your body's not the enemy. Your body is a servant to you, your spirit, under the lordship of Christ Jesus. I wrote this. You and I are to discipline our bodies just like a professional athlete will discipline their body, lest our body, call, your body, my body, causes us to fall from salvation and have a pitiful, disgraceful life. No, I mean, some, some people doctrinally, they, they won't go down this road with me, but man, I can't, I can't get around 1 Corinthians 9.27. I'll just put it plain. Maybe you disagree. That's okay. Uh, go to faithformygeneration.com, click on the little microphone, leave me a voicemail if, if you disagree. Tell me why you disagree. And, and by the way, just a little side note, if you've not visited faithformygeneration.com, go check out faithformygeneration.com, sign up for the email list, and if you've got a Bible question, go to faithformygeneration.com, click on the little microphone in the bottom right-hand corner, and leave me a Bible question via voicemail, and I'll feature your question here on the podcast at the end of the episode, and we'll answer it. I think that's going to be really fun, and I'm hoping to have one per episode for this year. Be a part of that. Now, maybe you disagree. That's fine. Send me an email. We'll talk about it. But 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and bring it under subjection, lest when I've preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. King James says, when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I, you can't get around it scripturally. What is Paul preaching to other people? Salvation. He's preaching salvation. So he's saying, here I am, I'm going to preach to other people's salvation, but if I don't bring this body under the will of God, it will actually cause me to sin. And that sin and continual practicing of sin will cause me to be a castaway and fall away and be disqualified from eternal life. Now, that does not mean if you sin, that's it. There's no hope for you. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, if we repent, turn from them and confess them, the Lord Jesus Christ, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all of righteousness. I'm not saying we don't have an advocate with the, with the Father. We do. But Hebrews 6, and this isn't really our topic, but Hebrews 6, go look at it. It talks about the apostate, the person that can, knows, ta has tasted of the Spirit of God and, and has known salvation, but they've turned from it by their choice and continued in sin to the point where they refuse to repent and they trot over the blood of Christ. And if they do that, what is there left? What sacrifice is left? Simply put, your body can be the absolute greatest servant to your spirit under the lordship of Christ Jesus, or it can be the greatest hindrance to the point of destruction in this life and the life to come. Do not let your body be the reason you fall. Now, there's a couple ways this can happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we are in chapter 9. Let's go to chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are 
the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, the defiler of the temple. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, spiritually, you and I, individual Christians, are temples. But also the church, that the local church that we sanctify for the Lord, that's a place that we meet with God in a corporate way, in a corporate blessing. And whether it be that local church that the Lord defends, and I know He does, I've, I've been witness of it, or whether it's you and I the Lord defends because we're His temple. Uh, simply put, we should never defile or make the temple of God unclean. Don't, don't engage in uncleanliness. And, and in large part, this is referring to sexual sins. Let me tell you something. You that are part of the faithful that are listening, that are single, don't give away yourself in sex. Reserve your body for your future husband, your future wife. That's God's will, and anything other than that is a sin. And it's a sin that carries so much hurt and heartache and baggage. Don't even fool around with it. Well, I already have. Okay, stop right now sinning. Repent. Get clean. Get right with God. Get it under the blood. And from this point forward, don't engage in it again. You that are married, that are part of the faithful, keep yourself pure to your spouse and your spouse alone. Don't engage in pornography. That's anybody, anyone that's listening. Don't do it. Don't lust after another person. Don't defile this temple. Your body is a temple of God. Do not abuse it with sexual sins. It is no different than in the Old Testament when the Israelites began to whore themselves among the gods through idolatry, which much of their idolatry that the Israelites fell into in the Old Testament revolved around sexual sins. It's an age-old tactic that Satan has used. He tries to get the, you know, simple. You see it in Numbers chapter 25. Balaam, this crazy backslidden prophet who tries to curse Israel and instead blesses them three times, then prophesies of the coming of the Lord. He can't curse Israel, so instead he tells Balak, the Moabites, well, we can't curse them, but this is how you can get them to destroy themselves. And what does he tell them? Well, entice them to come worship your gods. Well, how are we going to do that? Use your women. And through sexual temptation, the men of Israel began to worship other gods. And it brings destruction. Thousands of them die under, under the curse of that sin. Don't let that, that will not be your story in Jesus' name. Be pure, be holy. It's worth it. Now, that's concerning sexual sins. I'm just, you know, you know how we do it. We speak plainly. I'm not trying to be crude, rude. I'm just shooting straight with you. I would rather just shoot straight and speak straight to the point than, you know, kind of hem and haw and speak vaguely and generally. And we all kind of know what we're talking about, but no one says it plainly. <laughs> Let's just speak plainly. Now, there's obviously more sins than that. But look at this, Galatians 5, verse, chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we got a choice here, kind of like Galatians 6. You can sow to the flesh, reap death. Sow to the Spirit, reap life. 
Galatians 5.16, I say then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust, for, excuse me, verse 17, for the flesh lust against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. And if you keep on reading verse 19, it tells us some of these works. They're evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness. Those are sexual sins. Idolatry, sorcery. Those are spiritual sins or sins against God. Hatred, contention, jealousies, outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. Envy. Those are sins against people in the soul realm, emotional realm. Murder, drunkenness, revelry. Those are all physical sins, sins that we have to take action on and of the like, of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These sins should never be found among the life of the believer. And if I read something that's in my life or your life, we must quickly repent of it. And look, it's plain to see Verse 24, if you keep reading, it says this, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. As a believer, as a Christian, we crucify the flesh. We put the will of the flesh under subjection to God. We put the will of our flesh under subjection to God with its passions and its desires because we're Christ's. And we live in His Spirit. We walk in His Spirit. We are not victims of our body. We are not at war with our body. We master our body. Now, the the Bible does say that the flesh warreth after the Spirit. Or wars against the Spirit. That's true, yes. But it's a war that you and I can win every single time. It's a daily war that we take up our cross each day. But the victory is sure. Now, here we go. As I mentioned in the last episode and the episode to come, each time I give you a point that we must master, I'm going to give you three practical tips. Now, this is, well, this one has two. Excuse me. (laughs) Oh, let me cover one other thing first concerning your body. What I have found to be the greatest, absolute, greatest, surefire spiritual way to bring your body into line with the will of God is prayer with fasting. I know the moment I just said that, everyone got hungry. (laughs) But prayer with fasting is the most surefire way to bring your flesh to a point of weakness to where your spirit feels like Superman and your flesh feels like a little mouse. And you're like, wait a minute. I was getting jerked around by these desires of my flesh. This is silly. Psalm 69 verse 10 says this, When I wept and chastened or humbled my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. The Bible talks about fasting. That's just one particular verse, but fasting humbles humbles us. And when we humble ourselves, James 4, 1 Peter 5, God will lift us up. You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he gives us three wins, W-H-E-N, three wins, not ifs, wins. He says, when you pray, 
when you give, when you fast. The life of the believer should have prayer, giving, and fasting. Be led by the Spirit to fast, sure. But also, I've learned the practice of fasting, and, and I do that. Oftentimes, I don't. it's not like the Lord says, Thou shalt fast two days this week. No. Sometimes I just say, Lord, I just want to be closer. I just want to get you know, get all the noise out of the way, and I just want to spend more time with you. And tomorrow, I'm going to set it to tomorrow as a day of prayer with fasting. And instead of eating and cooking and cleaning up after I eat, I'm just going to use that time to read your word and pray more than I normally would. I do that a lot because here's the thing. The greatest avenue, we talked about sexual sins, but the greatest avenue of disciplining your body is food. You know, hunger is the first desire your body will have. You were hungry like two hours after you were born. You don't remember it. I don't either. But we were crying for food just and just a few hours after we were born. And I've been around a lot of people when they've breathed their last breath more than I care to have been around. But I've been in those rooms when people have went on to heaven. And one of the last things or the last thing that they lose as far as desire is the will to eat. You know someone's getting ready to go home when they don't want to eat anymore. They don't even want to drink water. They're just ready to go. It's the first and last desire your body has. And you can actually use it in such a way to where it will bring you spiritual strength. And you know what? Just the simple act, another pro tip, simple act of doing things even when you don't want to do them will put your body in submission. It'll put your body in a place to serve the kingdom. And after all, our body is the Lord's. So we should give Him our body. Now, we're going to kind of transition to what we might call some more spiritual things. Second one for today, fourth in all, the fourth area of life we must master in the year 2023, sin. That's right, sin. This, I wrote, this is what I wrote. This is a decision. Excuse me, let me start over. I wrote this. We must master sin. This is a decision that is made before temptation ever comes. Notice that. Before temptation comes, you make a decision. I'm not going to let sin master me. I'm going to master it. Now, when I say master it, don't not like, oh, I'm really good at it. No, <laughs> we're going to conquer it. I wrote this. It is a choice to live holy before God and allow Him to lead and guide us in His truth. We choose to honor God. And we choose not to sin before we even have the opportunity to commit sin. Now, some people might think, well, that's impossible. I do not believe it's impossible. I'm not saying that you're going to be sinless like Christ, imperfect. But I am saying that we can be sanctified and grow in holiness. And that the same sins that hoodwinked us before shouldn't hoodwink us every other day. Something's wrong if the same sins that made you fall in the year 2022 continue into 2023. Hebrews 12 verse 1 tells us to set aside the easily besetting sins. Notice that. It doesn't say, Lord, pray to God that He'll do it. He says, you Christian, you Christian man, you Christian woman, put, a, put away, put away those sins that are easily 
making you fall. There are certain, depending on personalities, depending on experiences, there are certain types of sin that are more prone to some people than other to make them fall. Those sins, get rid of them. Get them out of your life. Look at this. This is one of the most amazing understandings, scriptural understandings we see on sin. Galatians, excuse me, Genesis 4, verses 6 and 7. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. I got to read verse 7 again. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. The Lord is speaking to Cain. This is before Cain murders Abel. But it's after Cain and Abel have brought a sacrifice to the Lord. Abel brings a blood sacrifice to the Lord. We don't know how or when it happened, but somehow the Lord instructed Adam and Eve and then eventually their sons to bring a blood sacrifice for the atoning of sins because Abel brings a sacrifice to the Lord of a lamb, firstborn of the flock. Cain brings vegetables. He brings an offering from the ground. He, 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 he does not bring to the Lord what is required of him. He brought fruit of the ground rather than blood of a lamb. So Cain gets upset. And the Lord says, Cain, what's the deal? Why are you upset? Do you not understand that if you'll do what is required of you, you too will be received and accepted? But you've chosen to disobey. And then the Lord tells us in verse 7, sin lies at the door. That Hebrew word, rabas, lies, means to crouch like a cat, to lurk, to couch beneath, literally like a Huge lion or cheetah or leopard that, I guess cheetah, well, cheetahs do it too, but they're, they're like, you see these feline animals, their hind legs are locked and loaded, waiting for the right moment to pounce on their prey and take out that prey, take out that antelope. That's how sin is. It's lying at the door of your heart and it's just, Satan's just waiting he is just waiting. He is drooling for the opportunity to take you out. Oh, but we got bad news for him. We're part of the faithful. And in Jesus' name, he ain't going to take us out. New Living Translation reads those two verses like this. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. And that's where I got the title for this, these, this three-part message. You can master sin. The Lord's showing us. And look, this is before Jesus. 
died on the cross. So faith in God, even in the Old Testament, would put people in a place to subdue, master, rule over sin. Job. Job. Let me, let me read it. Let me read it. Oh, come on now. I'm teaching now. <laughs> Job chapter 1. Look at this. Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, not Oz, but Uz, <laughs> whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Yeah, because we have a choice. We have a choice. And here's the choice. Sin can master us or we can master sin. See, the day and age we're living in, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 tells us this. Now the Spirit, capital S, so Holy Spirit, the Spirit speaketh expressly, plainly, that in the latter times, the days we're living right now, some will depart from the faith. Listen to this. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. See, in these last days, there are seducing spirits who have one goal, one goal, to cause people to fall away from the faith in Christ Jesus. They've got one goal. They want you to turn from the faith. They want me to turn from the faith. Sin is looking for a little tiny crack in the door to sneak in and take us out. But we ain't going to let it. Song of Solomon 2 verse 15 says this, Take or catch up the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. You ever heard the phrase, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines? That's where it's a paraphrase from that, that verse in the Song of Solomon. But it's the little foxes that you overlook that sneak into the hen house. Take out the hens. It's the little fox that goes into the vineyard and eats up those tender grapes that we're going to become sweet, precious wine. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says this, Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. See, you and I, we're standing but us that stand are commanded to be on the watch, lest we fall. Don't get boastful. Don't get cocky. Don't be prideful. Because 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such is as common to man. So any temptation that you encounter, me, anybody, it's the same for everybody. But notice this, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Every temptation has a way of escape. Choose wisely. The person who's standing right with God is commanded to take heed, to be watchful, to be on the lookout so that they do not fall into sin. That's you. That's me. Last place I want to take you to is Matthew chapter 26. We've got to master sin so it doesn't master us. Matthew 26 verse 41. 
watch. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples before he goes to the cross of Calvary. And he's praying in the garden. And he says this, watch and pray lest, or in other words, watch and pray, or you will fall into, enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let me read that one more time. Matthew 26, verse 41. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're to ever be diligent in protecting our souls and our spirits from deception. And the greatest way to do this is through prayer. Prayer. Prayer cleanses our heart. Prayer with God cleanses our heart, keeps us pure, keeps us clean, keeps our heart and our minds right before the Father. Now, here we go. This was the second tip of this episode. It's tip number or point number four, the fourth thing we must master. We've covered time and money in the first part of this series. We just covered our bodies and now finished up with sin. And concerning sin, here are three practical applications, three action steps for you. One, remove any opportunity for sin or temptation before temptation even comes. This is a big one. You know, I'll, oftentimes as young guys, but I'll have people message me, you know, I, I'm struggling with pornography. And one of the first things I'll do is say, okay, do you watch it on your cell phone? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, I do. I say, all right, new rule. You no longer use your cell phone as your alarm clock. And they'll be like, what? Like, no, I understand it's 2023. <laughs> Almost said 22. 2023, you're a young guy. You don't own a wristwatch. You don't have an alarm clock. You use your phone for all that. And you're using your phone as a alarm clock, right? Yeah. That means your phone has to be in your bedroom, right? Yeah. And that means when it's dark, there's just something about it being dark that human nature makes you think you can get away with sin. Don't ask me why. It just does. <laughs> Ephesians 5 talks about being children of darkness. It, it's just how it is. It's dark. It's quiet. You're alone. You're in your bedroom. Your phone's there. And then comes the temptation. So we're going to eliminate the opportunity for temptation to become sin by removing the phone. You now chart, you now turn off your phone and charge it in the kitchen. And you're going to go to Walmart and buy a real alarm clock and set it on your nightstand. But, 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 no, I'm telling you, it's worth it. And if that don't work, we're going to trade in the smartphone <clears throat> for a flip phone. They still sell them. Because it would be better for you to walk around with a flip phone than to have a smartphone in your pocket that you can't, well, I shouldn't say can't, that you won't stop using to, to, to sin. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. May not be good grammar, but it's good truth. It ain't worth it. Avoid situations that allow for sin. Practical tip number two. Don't be around people that are going to tempt you. It's not a good relationship. Don't be around them. And number three, avoid improper relationships with sinful people. See, there's certain places you don't need to be, but there's also certain people you don't need to be around. Well, I'm just trying to be a light and a witness. That's great. That, that, that applies in a certain way. But you're not being a light and a witness at the party when everyone else is getting smashed and hammered. Nope. You were being an accomplice. Well, I, I was going to be the designated driver so I could witness to them. They ain't listening to you. They drunk. <laughs> 
Go home. Don't be there. You're going to get yourself in trouble. It's that simple, really. But though it sometimes can get clouded, can it? And it seems so mystified. But really, sin is just temptation that has that someone's taken action on. So the key to mastering and ruling over sin is to avoid temptation, eliminate opportunities for temptation. That's what Jesus told us to pray. Lord, deliver us from temptation, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Matthew chapter 6, Lord's Prayer. So we don't even want to be in a place to be tempted because if we're not tempted, we won't sin because sin doesn't come first, temptation does. But the Lord's given us a way of escape every single day time. Hey, I'm so thankful that you joined me for part two of seven things we must master in the year 2023. We've got one more part in the next wake up call. Make sure you join me. Make sure you share this series with somebody. I know it's blessing me. I'm sure it's blessing you and I pray it'll bless someone else that you share it with. Text the link to somebody. Tell them you've got to listen to it. Help help us grow our tribe of the faithful. I'd greatly appreciate it because we've got one purpose. We've got one mission, to shake and shape a generation with the power of God through the teaching, relevant teaching of the Word of God. In Jesus' name. I'm thankful for you. I pray you have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time. And remember, we are the faithful. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday, I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.